SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A Tuesday on the morning after, live right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. And all across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. It is a return of Turtleneck Tuesday. And if you wanted a basketball show, well, you've come to the right place. A little bit of sprinkle of football in there as well. But basketball is the focus on this Tuesday and now moving forward. We go around the sports landscape on a Tuesday here on the morning after. But if it's a Tuesday in the opening hour of TMA, that means the morning after becomes the early after. Because Kevin Walsh, one of the co-hosts of the early line, joins us here until 10 a.m. Eastern time. And then we bring you up until noon Eastern time as well. Okay, Dubs, how's it popping on this Tuesday? It's delightful, my friend. We're having a whale of a time over on the early line. We just discovered that uh, Carson Wentz is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback because we said so. Uh, And we've been having a lot of fun breaking down everything here and excited to get in the mix on the morning after, man. I can't wait for your basketball expertise as we go around the association. Look at a wonderful Tuesday evening in the NBA as well. And then a little bit of college hoops market movers down the home stretch of the college basketball regular season. But first, we begin with that sprinkle I talked about of football. Looking around now, some of the news and notes from the NFL offseason and a tough break for Odell Beckham Jr. tearing his ACL in that Super Bowl just a couple of days ago. That was the report yesterday from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network that OBJ has torn that ACL in his left knee the second time tearing the ACL in that knee in the last 16 months. And we saw the emergence, Kev, of OBJ throughout the postseason. Over 50 yards receiving in every game the Rams played, including 52 In the opening two quarters of Super Bowl 56, just a couple of nights ago, he caught the first touchdown of the game, plus 900 to score the first TD of Super Bowl 56, was just plus 140 as an anytime touchdown score. So OBJ, even in his short time on Super Bowl Sunday, was profitable and was starting to emerge as that true second threat opposite Cooper Cup. It's a shame because he was able to validate everything that went wrong in Cleveland. Uh, again, you talk about uh, whose fault is it battle between he and Baker Mayfield. And uh, pfft, I mean, Baker had to be screaming, stop the bleeding, right? I mean, goodness gracious, you ever seen anyone lose a battle like that head to head? I don't mm. know if I can remember one. OBJ was unbelievable for the Los Angeles Rams. They don't win the Super Bowl. They don't make it to the Super Bowl without Odell Beckham Jr. The thing is now moving forward for OBJ and the Los Angeles Rams. Every indication that he wanted to be back in Los Angeles what does that number look like? What is he prioritizing, you know, in terms of a contract? Does he want years? Does he want dollars? And what are the Rams willing to offer him? Because this is a group, of course, Ben, that's going to want to be able to repeat as Super Bowl champions if possible. It's obviously easier said than done, but you now have Robert Woods off of a big injury. His start date yep. likely won't be week one. Odell, big injury. You're just hoping he's back probably for the postseason. 
Whitworth likely to retire. And who knows what's going on with one of the all-time greats in terms of defensive players in this league's history in Aaron Donald. Look, I think the Rams are your favorites when you talk about early NFC West divisional odds there. But yeah. they've got question marks like the rest of the division, but they've certainly got question marks as we hit the offseason. Plus 1,200 right now for the Rams to repeat as Super Bowl champions next season. Hey, welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The opening hour of the morning after on a Tuesday. The morning after is the early after. It's Ben Stevens and Kevin Walsh, Sirius XM Channel 159, our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. Some NFL news and notes from now, the offseason. Odell Beckham Jr. suffering a torn ACL in that left knee throughout Super Bowl 56. Now, the recovery period is shortened. He becomes a free agent in this offseason, hoping to return to Los Angeles. L.A. 12-1 to win next year's Super Bowl. Super Bowl 57 tied for the third best odds alongside the Dallas Cowboys, the shortest odds of any teams playing from the NFC. By the way, Kev, a little bit of movement in that marketplace. Buffalo now the solo favorite at 7-1. to KC 50 cents behind at plus 750. That happened in the last 24 hours. Just an update there. As we go around the NFC West, Kev, we also have some drama in that division outside of OBJ's now injury and what the offseason holds. The focus has been in Arizona in the schism between their quarterback Kyler Murray and sources within that Cardinals organization. Kyler Murray sharing this out on Twitter yesterday. Not so much an indication on what his future plans are, but a response to the reports. Kyler saying all of this nonsense is not what I'm about. There were some reports on Super Bowl Sunday from ESPN's Chris Mortensen, Kev, that said Kyler is seen as immature within that organization. He's a finger pointer, does not want to be known as a scapegoat for the uh, dismal performance he had in the NFC wildcard round against L.A. This response yesterday, what did you make of it out of Kyler? It's phenomenal because I love chaos, trauma, and potential player movement. And all this basically did was say, oh, you yeah, know, we've got problems here in Arizona, and I'm not about right. the nonsense. And the nonsense is them going out there and slandering my name. And now you understand why I'm bothered with this organization. Look, I understand $250 million is likely what he wants after three seasons, and that's a tough penny to pay up. What are the Cardinals doing? What, are you going to not pay Kyler Murray? Ridiculous. Of course you are. Or maybe you're not. New York Giants going to get on the phone? 5-7 in a future first? Bird's got three first-rounders? I'm just saying, folks, here, let's stir up the pot in Arizona. Not a great quarterback draft class around the association next here on TMA. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome to the morning after, which is now a basketball show on Sports Grid and Sirius XM, Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. I like basketball, but if you want basketball expertise, who do you turn to on the Spiz Grizz? Well, that would be old K Dubs, Kevin Walsh. So the morning after, not only a basketball show, but the early after on a Tuesday right here on the grid. And old K Dubs, let's go around the association first. Looking back on last night and how that leads us into some of the 
early line, Zuh, because Kevin is one of the co-hosts of the early line here on the Spiz Grizz every weekday morning from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern. And we'll look at the Tuesday night slate up in our next segment. But first, we look back. And finally, Kevin, after 11 straight losses, the Brooklyn Nets won a basketball game. And they hammered the Sacramento Kings last night in the other borough, not far from us, in Brooklyn, inside the Barclays Center. The Nets winning 109-85. Kev, they closed as a two-point underdog, winning outright. No James Harden, obviously. No Kyrie Irving. No Kevin Durant. But the debut of Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, yeah. and this new-look Nets finally get a win. Yeah, they won this game early, right? They came out in the first quarter firing 35-24. Now, listen, Sacramento was able to make a couple of pushes there, and it was really a fourth-quarter 10-point lead. I know that salted the game away. But here's what jumps out when you look at the box score. Seth Curry, mm. leading scorer, 23 points. Andre Drummond checked in as well in a plus 23, but 11 points and nine rebounds in a debut here for the Brooklyn Nets. They needed these reinforcements. They needed them. Now, does this mean that everything's okay in Brooklyn? No, but it also doesn't mean that oh. anything was much of a panic, really, right? Because it, what, yeah. are we, what are we going to take away from games that Patty Mills and Kessler Edwards are your lead men? Not all that much. What I will say, though, for Brooklyn moving forward, Ben, is the Seth Curry lead dog Brooklyn games should have value. That's no, hmm. you know, Kyrie's not allowed to play. Katie's still injured, and we wait on the Ben Simmons debut. His points prop last night, 15 and a half. Far too light. That was a number basically based on what he averaged in Philly, and that number played well to the over. 10 of 18 shooting and 23 points. This is going to be your leading scorer when they are out there with this kind of a roster, no Durant Simmons or Kyrie Irving. I think anything under a 20 marker for Seth Curry in a Brooklyn uniform would be a play to the over. I think that's a great point as well. And when you look at when a Seth Curry-led Brooklyn team at the moment is going to be booked as most likely an underdog as well. 10 of the last 12 for Brooklyn as an underdog, winning outright last night, but covering in two straight as a dog as well. Seth Curry, 23 points, four other nets in double figures last night. Also snapped a two-game win streak for the Kings since acquiring DeMontis Sabonis, but he didn't score in double figures last night for the Kings. So as you look at Brooklyn, Kevin made the point, does it fix everything? But no, it makes you feel a little bit better. The Nets still three games above 500, 30 and 27 straight up in that eighth spot in the Eastern Conference standings, two and a half games out of getting out of what the play-in tournament would be at this moment. Elsewhere around the Eastern Conference, the Chicago Bulls near the top of the Eastern Conference standings and against his former team, DeMar DeRozan, continues to rack up points. 40 points last night for the Bulls in a 120-109 win over the Spurs. Kept the sixth straight game. DeMar DeRozan has scored 35 or more points. It's a streak we have not seen in Chicago since 96-97 and a man by the name of Michael Jordan. Yeah, it's interesting. MJ never did it, though, on 50% shooting uh, in that run Ooh. there, which makes DeMar DeRozan maybe the best Chicago Bull of all time. Uh, to, look, to, oh. no, I know. Yeah, have, I, hey, listen, yeah. I know you're yeah, joking, yeah. but let's just make sure yeah, that yeah, people yeah. know you're joking. What? Okay. No, DeMar DeRozan's having a great season. <laughs> now, look, here, here's the thing, of course, though, with DeRozan, right? Last night, his point prop pregame 31 and a half. DRS had a slice, two points in the first quarter, no problem but also the live play there. He entered the fourth quarter with 21 points. Live yep. number was, I think, like 31 and a half anyway. 
came out, scored a couple of buckets, moved up to 34 and a half, and played it to the over, and it was an easy one as it got to 40. He's a fourth-quarter closer. They play close. Yep. You can attack his live numbers, and it makes a lot of sense. But the other question around DeMar DeRozan, Ben, that I'm sure you're interested in is, can this guy actually win the MVP award? And the answer is mm. yes, because right now there are narratives aplenty in DeRozan's favor. The wide-open nature of the Eastern Conference is keeping a lot of people alive in this race. The gap between one to five is two and a half games in the Eastern Conference. Milwaukee, Philly, obviously with their contenders, and it feels as if DeRozan could make an argument as well. If he gets the one seed, keeps this group afloat without Zach Levine, and is basically averaging 30-plus points in the stretch without that, all could be enough to get DeRozan in the mix. And what could be more important, though, than him actually taking down the award, Ben, is can you get him to that last dance? He's one of the final three candidates there. At a 35-1 to number, it's an interesting Mm. case to be made. That number was over 40-1, to I believe, before last night's game. Kevin, this perspective coming to me from my good friend Lucas Lamble, a huge Bulls fan, a Chicago native, there is also an opportunity for Chicago to return Alex Caruso, Lonzo Ball, a healthy Zach Levine, and Patrick Williams all by that later portion of March, which would make the home stretch for Chicago into the postseason even that much more bright at the moment. You mentioned DeMar DeRozan and the clutch nature of scoring in the fourth, 19 of those 40 points coming in that final stanza last night, 431 in the fourth quarter total this year for DeMar DeRozan, the leading scorer in the fourth quarter in the NBA. Also, Nikola Vucevic is putting up big numbers as well. 25 points, 16 boards last night, a double-double in eight of the last 10. And Kev, Chicago has one four straight. They improved to 22 and eight straight up at home, 20 and 10 against the spread at home as well. That is the best home ATS mark in the NBA. So as we look across the Eastern Conference odds now, as it pertains to the standings, the Miami Heat have that top spot in the Eastern Conference, yet plus 550 to win the conference title at the moment. Chicago, who's only a half game behind Miami, 16 to one, the fifth best odds. You still see the Bucks the Nets, and the Sixers in one, two, and three. Milwaukee plus 250, Brooklyn plus 280, Philly plus 290. Kev, there was some movement. Milwaukee now the favorite in the Eastern Conference at plus 250. That's a change from where things stood even after the Harden-Simmons trade entering the weekend. It is. Look, you asked me where was the value after the trade. I said it was going to not be on Philly or on Brooklyn, right? It would probably be Milwaukee and Miami. That's proven true already as the Bucks rocket up to the top spot. The thing for the Milwaukee Bucks, though, Ben, as they are the defending champions, right? No slander should ever come their way. Well, no one told them about OK Dubs. Anyone who's honest knows that this group was Kevin Durant's shoe size away from firing Budenholzer, trading Chris Middleton, and Giannis being labeled as a guy that can't get it done in the postseason. That's just the way that that was all going to go. Now, they won the championship, and I understand that. And this year, they have been nearly untouchable, nearly untouchable when they have Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton all available. But here is the thing for me on the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's just use Hmm. the Sixers as an example. Embiid versus Giannis, maybe a near standstill. You might add Giannis. It could depend on the game, right? 
Harden right. versus Drew Holiday is advantage Philly as long as Harden is in his bag. Chris Middleton versus Tobias Harris should not be a conversation. It is a conversation. Middleton numbers right. are down across the board, and I don't care. I still don't trust him in the postseason. I don't. I won't. I refuse to. And I'm telling you this right now in the Miami Heat. Last year, Giannis averaged 32 in the series against Brooklyn, 35 in the series against Phoenix. Miami held him to 23 points per game in that series. That Miami Heat team checks every single box and still holds a ton of value. And I think the value there on both Miami and Chicago, again, the predictive odds versus what we are seeing in the standings right now. Early lines for an NBA Tuesday up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're juiced up by basketball here on the morning after on a Tuesday on the Spiz Grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. And all across the Sports Grid Network, alongside Kevin Walsh for the opening hour of TMA, I am Ben Stevens. A slight bit of breaking news on this Tuesday morning in the NBA. Sham Sharania of The Athletic reporting that Goran Dragic has completed a buyout from the San Antonio Spurs. He now becomes a free agent, and there will be a slew of teams after the 14-year NBA veteran hoping to add that veteran presence for a push here down the regular season and into the playoffs as well. So, Kev, let's get excited for this Tuesday night around the association. The early line, Zuh, with one of the co-hosts of the early line here on SportsGrid in Kevin Walsh and I think one of the best games of the evening in the city of brotherly love tonight out in Philadelphia it was maybe going to be the debut of James Harden for the Sixers but that will now not come until after the all-star break but still a great game the Boston Celtics winners of eight straight a one and a half point road favorite right now against the Sixers tonight Kevin let's start there with the number for tonight do you think Boston yeah. should be a road favorite in Philly this evening yeah, look, Boston's playing great ball. It's heartbreaking that I can't come on here and deliver copious amounts of slander to this Celtics team. I mean, look. Why Tatum would you made, do that? Tatum, well, well, listen, Tatum made four threes his last game. He'll probably go like two for 12 tonight, right? That's probably how it's going to happen. You'd have to assume so. But here's the thing for the Boston Celtics. Not only have they now won eight in a row, it's 10 of 11, but more importantly mm. than that, Ben, it's how they're doing it. The defensive side mm. of the basketball. This team has held eight of the teams that they've played in this 11-game window under 100 points. And in all 10 of the victories in this last 11-game window, they've held their opponent under their team total. They have really started to clamp down on the defensive side of the basketball, and they've allowed that to be their identity. And as far as the notion that, oh, Sixers at home, they can't catch points, three and four against the number, and straight up this year as a home underdog. Yes, they can catch points in Philadelphia. So when you look at Boston doing it defensively, Kevin, I think that also shows in the odds. The total tonight, 
210. Boston playing a ton of unders lately. Under and two straight. Five of the last six for the Celtics and 10 of their last 12 all hitting an under. Philly has won two straight, three of their last four, but they've only covered in two of their last six games. Here's what stands out to me about this number tonight. Philadelphia has only been an underdog five times since December 11th. So five times pretty much in the last two months. And they have won outright in all five of those games when booked as an underdog. 12-8 and eight ATS as a dog this year. Also under in four of their last six for the Sixers tonight. That over-under again currently at 210 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Kev, we're starting to dive into the prop market a little bit more as well here on the morning after last night. De'Aaron Fox over 22 and a half points. Great stuff out in Brooklyn. And Joel Embiid is a monster in the prop market as of late. Coming off a 40-point, 14-rebound, 10-assist triple-double against the Cleveland Cavaliers over the weekend. His points prop tonight is at, if I see it correctly here on my notes, I can't find it anyway. Oh, 30 and a half is the point prop. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin, for that. He has gone over that number in three of the last four, in 10 of the last 14 games. Joel Embiid has scored 25 or more points in 23 straight games for Philadelphia. He is leading the NBA in scoring, averaging 29 and a half points per game. So, Kevin, do you believe that JoJo has some value in the prop market tonight? So it's interesting. The last time he played Boston was one of those rare under the 30 markers, right, where he was able to score 25. But he had another game against them this season where he hung 41 on their head, no problem. Mm. But he also had really probably his worst game of the season against the Celtics team. 3 of 17 shooting, 13 total points. The Celtics have oddly been able to give Joel Embiid trouble over his tenure in Philadelphia. And it's just, listen, I can't bet Embiid unders. I can only caution against the overs. Because, listen, the guy's just playing at an unreal level right now. And his usage rate is going to go up with some of the guys that are out the door and before Harden comes in. So, look, I'm not lining up here on Embiid unders but part of the thing for me when I look at this game is the way that they've been you know obviously playing such good defense in Boston the Sixers team 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 total has gone under in six of their last eight games played with Embiid out there for them so I would be cautious rolling the dice with Joel Embiid here I know he's been a great bet each and every night I'll tell you the one thing you can do, though, Ben, if you want those player performance doubles, if you think the Sixers are being slandered as a home dog here, that certainly could make some sense with a big Embiid night. And that certainly would make sense, Kev. JoJo has had seven straight games with a double-double for Joel Embiid to record another double-double and a Sixers win. That's plus 138 now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. A little bit more plus money than just taking the Sixers as a dog on that money line straight up against Boston. Jason Tatum, who you mentioned, 38 points on Sunday against the Atlanta Hawks, but his points prop tonight, 26 and a half under in six previous prior to the 38 he scored against Atlanta on Sunday. And as we look at the MVP market, it seems, Kevin, that Joel Embiid has really become solidified as the front runner. A very short price now on Embiid, plus 145 as the favorite to win the MVP, more than $2 in front of Nikola Jokic at plus 370. Giannis with that third spot at plus 410. I know Steph had very short odds at a certain point early on, Kevin, but the plus 145 number for Joel Embiid right now might be the shortest we've seen all year long. 
It's the shortest for him. Steph at one point was able to get down to about a plus 115. Again, Mm. like, you can't slander that guy enough for the fact that he was plus 115 (laughs) to win the award and is now dropped back to the range that he has. Like, but again, like, Steph is just immune to this stuff there. People love love Steph Curry. Love it. Like, couldn't handle the workload. Like, people, oh, LeBron's too old. I I get it. I get it, man. Steph Curry, things are great. You know, best shooter in the world, has a good shooting game once a month. I know. I know. Here's the thing with the Joel Embiid MVP stuff, though. He's not winning it if they're the fourth seed in the East. It's not going to happen. No way. Not happening. He's been great this year. I'm not worried too much about Harden cutting into the workload. Because the workload's already been established. It's about whether they can win basketball games. The expectations are changing with James Harden coming into town. I'm not saying they have to be the one seed. They can't be the four seed. You gotta get a top Joel three seed, I would say. And I know yeah, I just I know that could be arbitrary to people, Ben, but like it's yeah. gotta you've got to win at a bigger level, I think, to bring down the MVP award. Correct. I would agree with that. And the Sixers right now, again, plus 290, the third best odds to win the Eastern Conference at the moment. Joel Embiid, by the way, plus 800 in the preseason to win the MVP. Tons of movement in his favor at plus 145, the favorite right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. As we continue to go around the association, Kev, looking at some of those early lines for tonight, a great one out in Miami, the Heat, a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Dallas Mavericks, an over-under that's at 208 in a hook. We have spoken about Miami currently occupying that top spot in the Eastern Conference standings. A slight favorite tonight at home against Dallas. Kevin, what is the approach to tonight's game between the Heat and the Mavs? I can't wait to see what the book does with the Doncic numbers. What a nightmare this mm-hmm. has been for them. Listen, player, listen, we know people prefer to bet overs as it pertains to the props market, but especially the stars. The thing is, when a superstar gets hot, and the way we just talked about Joel Embiid, there's kind of nothing the book can really do here. Luka Doncic just scored 30 or more in 7 of 8 games, and he's averaging 55.8 points plus rebounds in that window there. 50-plus points plus rebounds in 6 of 7. I mean, he is right now on another level. Luka Doncic scored 51 against the Clippers. Played him the next night. And you got to think, ah, oh, it's probably going to be a nine. I have 45. Now they learned no <laughs> lessons. You just still come here and get this business, man. I mean, it is a situation, Ben, where I think they have to go above 50. I think it's points plus rebounds plus assists has to be 50 and a half. Otherwise, you have to ride the hot hand with Doncic here. Miami has won five straight. They have covered in four of their last five. Dallas was a dog twice last week against good teams from the East, or at least one good team, and then the Atlanta Hawks. But the Sixers and the Hawks, and Dallas won outright as a dog in both of those games. The total also stands out. Now at 209 and a hook on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Dallas, the highest under percentage in the NBA. 36 games in total this year. Miami tied for the highest over percentage, 61.4% of their games hitting it over, but under in three of their last five. Quickly here, Kev, let's move to the Western Conference in the NBA's best team. 46-10 and 10 right now, straight up for the Phoenix Suns. On another winning streak, they have won five straight games in a 12-and-a-half-point favorite at home tonight against the L.A. Clippers, who pulled off an upset outright last night at home against the Golden State Warriors, winning outright as a six-point underdog. The Suns, double-digit favorites, as they have been a ton this year. Kev, your quick thoughts on this contest tonight. 
Look, this Phoenix team is where my MVP tickets sit. I just want to let people know historically. Ooh. like You expect them to win. It's tough to lay 12.5. Clips haven't been great against the number without rest. The over makes sense. Clips over in 6 of 7. Phoenix over in 6 of 7. Back-to-back games with 130. Quickly on the MVP, because I haven't been able to tell the TMA audience about this. Historically, Go. 13 teams in the history of the NBA have won 67 or more games. 11 of the 13 times, that team had the MVP. The two exceptions, Steph. Jordan, they won the MVP the year before and just won more than 67 games. Basically, you win 67 games and it's not a downgrade from what you did last season, automatically the MVP. CP3 was 65 to 1. He's now 27 to 1. Devin Booker was 35 to 1. Now 27 to 1. I can't add anything to that except a round of applause. College basketball up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We have a tremendous night ahead in college basketball on this Tuesday. A full preview now of how the landscape looks in college hoops. Only six games left in the regular season for many colleges across the country. We do that right here on a Tuesday on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. Alongside Kevin Walsh for the opening hour of this Tuesday TMA, I and Ben Stevens. We are going to look at the national championship market in just a moment. But before we do that, the new AP poll, Kev, released yesterday in a new number one team that is in this very familiar spot. Gonzaga back on top, the new number one team in the country. Auburn, who lost a week ago on Tuesday night to Arkansas, falls one spot to the number two position in the top 25. Arizona and Kentucky both move up a spot, number three and number four, respectively. And Purdue, who the Walsh household is happy to see drop down the rankings, falls two spots after a big loss to Michigan late last week and then over the weekend tested by Maryland on Sunday. We also need to mention Providence moves up three spots to number eight in the country. Nova up five spots to that 10th spot in the country. A huge matchup tonight in Providence, Rhode Island. We preview that game in full a little bit later on. So, Kev, let's take the AP poll and go to a place we love to be to look at the market in the national championship odds. We do that right now in Market Movers. So just about a month ago, January 12th, 2022, the top seven odds in the country, Kevin, looked as such. Gonzaga, plus 650, Baylor and Purdue and Duke all tied for the second best price at 10 to 1. Arizona, 18 to 1, Auburn, 21 to 1, and Kentucky, 22 to 1. Now look at where the market has moved. Gonzaga, the new number one team in the country, a very short number at plus 410. Kentucky now the second best price at plus 750. Arizona only a dollar behind plus 850. Purdue has remained steady 
at 10 to 1, both Duke and Baylor falling down the board, 14 to 1 for the Dukies, 16 to 1 for the Baylor Bears, and then Auburn up as well to 10 to 1 where things currently stand on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Kevin, let's begin this discussion with the new number 1 team in the country once again, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. A very short price at plus 410. The Zags have been a favorite all year long to win the national championship even in the preseason, but this the shortest price we have seen on the Zags. So here is the thing with Gonzaga. I can appreciate their dominance over the WCC because the WCC is better than most will give it credit for, probably even myself, right? If you are someone who likes to reference Ken Palm, St. Mary's is 20th, the Dons are 27th, and BYU is 53. I mean, you basically have mm -hmm. four teams inside the top 50 from the conference. By the way, quick little nugget here. If you like stealing, Gonzaga's plus 410. Odds of the conference to win the national championship, the WCC is plus 430. It's just stealing. It's just 20 cents you shouldn't be getting. It's just the wrong direction. It makes no sense. You just get St. Mary's and the yep. Dons and BYU for no reason. So if you're so inclined, you can. But really, obviously, it's going to be a bet on Gonzaga. Here's the thing for me on Gonzaga, Ben. Last year's team was the best team that they've ever had. Okay. I'll yep. hear no, I don't know how anyone's even debate. I hope no one's debating that. I don't, that would feel like a waste of time. That group ran through everyone, everyone. And then Baylor gave him the business. Ultimately, this year's Gonzaga team out of conference looked really good. Not unbeatable. They, right? Duke took them down. Bama took them down. Right. Right. Yep. This team now is. Hard for me to bet a team at plus 410 just because they're dominating the WCC. I'm sorry. I've seen them as a one seed before. They were a one seed, right, last season. They were one seed in 19, in 17, in 13. Like, they, they've they been very high during the Mark Few tenure, and it's not come in. I think, Ben, unfortunately, I'm at a point now where seeing is going to be believing. And I will never, until it makes way more sense or at a better price, be betting Gonzaga at under five to one to win the national championship. And it's a great point because value is an interesting thing as it pertains to college basketball, as opposed to many other sports. Even when you look at the college football playoff, which certainly has its shortcomings as well, because you're playing in a tournament. You need to be your best for two and a half weeks to win a national championship in college basketball. It was clear that Gonzaga was the best team in the country all year last year from start to finish. They were undefeated entering the national championship game, yet they wouldn't have cashed a ticket. And yes, there's money line value for a hedging opportunity once you get to the final four or that national championship game, but they still did not cash that ticket. And last year, the difference between Gonzaga and Baylor and even the third, fourth, and fifth best team in the country was substantial. That is not the case this season. So at plus 410, at the shortest price we have seen on the Zags, all year long, it's just unbettable at the moment. I'm not saying that Gonzaga is not in one of the four best spots to win the national championship, but at plus 410, the value has been zapped away. So then could you look with such a short price, over $3 ahead of even Kentucky, and then over $4 ahead of Arizona, is there value on the Cats at plus 750, and the Cats from the desert 
at plus 850. I think a lot of that value has been taken away. Let's first look at UK and Coach Cal's team because we saw their odds initially for that market movement price. 22 to 1 just over a month ago, now plus 750. That's a move of slightly less than $15, Kevin, in a month span. And Kentucky has won six straight. They have a huge game tonight on the road in Knoxville against Tennessee, a top 20 battle, a top 10 battle by Ken Palm efficiency metrics. So that is where Kentucky stands right now. I'm not so sure there's value on the Cats or even on Arizona at plus 850. But then again, Kevin, in comparison to Gonzaga with such a short number, maybe you could make that argument. There is value just based on how short Gonzaga is as compared to the rest of the field. Yeah, it almost feels like anyone that's not Gonzaga has value if we disagree on how short the Gonzaga number is. But one thing I will say on this Kentucky team that's lost four times this year, neutral court, Duke had a second-half lead. At Notre Dame, who's actually 11-3 and in ACC play, had a second-half lead. At LSU, had a second-half lead. At Auburn, had a second-half lead. I know you need to close basketball games. That's what Kansas was. You have four losses, none of them at home, all to tournament teams, and three of the four are really, really legit squads there. Kentucky has earned their status, I think, as you know, clearly a top-five team, but up to second. But let me ask you this question, Ben. We talk value, right? Gonzaga is plus 410. Let's call it plus 430 because, we're, again, we're going we're gonna to optimize the number that we have here, you know, Conference right. of National Championship market, and stick in that market. Would you rather Gonzaga at 410 or Kentucky, Auburn, LSU, Tennessee, Alabama, all at 3-1 to one, and bet the SEC to win the national championship? Because I'm sorry, Oof. but going up from 3-1 f- from to one to 410 is not enough for me to lose out on no. maybe five teams that can win the national championship compared to just Gonzaga. Kevin, if you remember, we had our college basketball season preview now over three months ago here on a Tuesday on the morning after. You put me on the spot and you said, who are your final four teams? I threw out a couple I don't even remember, but I do remember including the Volunteers out of Tennessee because of the efficiency they play on the defensive side of the floor under Rick Barnes. So I do believe that Tennessee could be a Sweet 16 Elite 18, but my focus there in the SEC is Auburn and Kentucky because I am a true believer in the Auburn Tigers and the fact they are still 10 to 1 despite the fact they have only lost twice this year one of those being on the road against Arkansas this past week hey it's okay you can't win 28 straight games to lose and snap a 19 game win streak and then to respond the way they did at home on Saturday against Texas A&M I think Auburn has tremendous value at 10 to 1 even compared to Kentucky because Auburn is a minus 450 favorite in the SEC. The reason why, despite only having a one-game lead over the Wildcats from Lexington, is because Auburn and Kentucky have already played. It's their only meeting in the regular season, and Auburn won that game by nine points. So Auburn does have a cushion in the SEC title race. So the Tigers are minus 450. The Wildcats are plus 500 in the SEC title, but Kentucky is plus 750 in the national championship Auburn is 10 to 1. I think the Tigers have the value in this marketplace. And this is a guy that wants to ride with Purdue 
at 10 to 1 to win the Big Ten's first national championship in over two decades. So, Kev, you bring up a great point about conference and having both Kentucky and Auburn, two of the four shortest odds to win the national championship at plus 300, only a dollar and 10 cents ahead of a singular price with Gonzaga at plus 410 or the plus 430 to win the WCC. That's a great market to look at and a better way of trying to cap a national championship instead of picking one team that, again, you play in a tournament come March and you need your best basketball over that two-week span. Absolutely. Now, one other team that I want to just bring up quickly, and and I want to turn it to you. I know you're going to preview Providence Villanova later. Providence is up to eighth in the country. How many times, Ben, do you think that you could be in mid-February and get a top 10 team at 100 to 1 to win the national championship. I mean, listen, I, I get it. People clearly didn't expect Providence to be here. We talked, though, about, like, if they beat Villanova tonight, I promise you the 100 to 1's not there. I promise you that. No. You might say, oh, it's not going to move off one game. Yes, it will. Texas's number moved when they beat Kansas. And they got promptly sl- obliterated by Baylor. I'm telling you that that the Providence number might be cut in half if they beat Villanova tonight. They might be down to 50 to 1 if they win at Mm -hmm. home tonight against the Villanova Wildcats, Ben. Absolutely so, Kev. You bring up such a great point because this is the biggest stage for Providence all year long. And they have been overlooked at all times. I am fired up. Our associate producer, Jack Weinberger, will be in attendance at the dunk tonight and possibly the biggest game in Providence Friars basketball history. That is what is at stake tonight. Not just a Big East title, but a run to the national championship. And Kevin, as we often discuss, the results that we have seen this year, the the reason that Providence is ranked eighth, yet their odds to win the Natty are 100 to one is because results in the rankings are different than the predictive model of claiming a national championship. And Providence still 47th, Kevin, in Ken Palm. The reason they are 47th yet number eight in the AP polls because they are also first in luck. They have won a lot of games by single digits this year, and that's a model that feels unsustainable, or it could be an indication of a battle-tested team that wins tight games. 100-1 to one is a number I might have to dive in on right now, not only because I'm fired up, but I am a believer in Providence mm-hmm. and their ability to win close games and that being a sustainable metric, not just an outlier. A great game at the dunk tonight that the Friars are a four-point underdog. Plenty more college basketball later in the show. We round out our number one of TMA hearing from you next in Fade the Public. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This opening hour of the morning after on a Tuesday has left me just absolutely fired up talking basketball, both NBA and college hoops ahead of a great Tuesday night in both in the pro ranks and 
collegiately as well. I am Ben Stevens. Kevin Walsh has been alongside for the entire, entire opening hour of TMA on this Tuesday right here on Sports Grid and Sirius XM, Channel 159. But we still sprinkle in the football as well. And I don't know if Kevin saw the fade the public poll earlier on in this first hour, but he alluded to it. So let's hear from you, the public, about who should be the favorite in the NFC entering next year's NFL campaign. Let's do that right now and fade the public. So, Kevin, the four teams in the NFC that have the four shortest odds right now and the only market available for the futures market for next year's NFL season, the Rams, the Packers, the Cowboys, and the Niners, the four shortest odds to win next year's Super Bowl. The Rams, the Packers, the Cowboys, and the Niners, out of that group, who should be the favorite to win the NFC next season? And the public, around 36-37%, going with the Rams, the reigning Super Bowl champions. Kevin, what do you make of this? Are you fitting the public? I just want people to know, if you, ever, if you see me like deep breaths and rolling my eyes here, it's because I take polls way too seriously. Like people are like, man, like why does it take you so long to play Wordle? It's because I like to take my time here. And this is stressing me out because I want to give an answer that I believe in. And here's what I know. It's about who you can slander the least. Rodgers and Green Bay, not going to happen. There's just a cap on them. Did you say Dallas was on that list? What, they fire yeah, McCarthy? They are. I mean, yeah. No. I mean, it's not, yeah, so no. And the Niners are going to have Trey Lance making his debut. And I listen, we all love Kyle Shanahan, but I think you have to give the nod to the defending Super Bowl champions. Well, this morning, Rappaport's putting a little – you know, gasoline on the fire that McVay might retire. Why is the whole Rams team satisfied after one? Everyone here running it back? I don't know, Kev, but the path certainly is there. First hour done. Kevin, thank you. Second hour next.